Welcome to Words of Inspiration with Rev. James T. Brown, Jr., the lead pastor of Tabernacle of Worship. Let's join today's message in progress. To his wonderful name. Well, family, we're continuing in our series titled, Now What? Now what? We're continuing in this series, and I want you to turn back to the book of Hebrews. Back to the book of Hebrews. We're looking at chapter 5 today. Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to begin at verse 5. We're beginning at verse 5 today. And here our text reads, it says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he, said, as he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, were, though he were a son yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Today, we're going to speak from the subject. There's a reason. Just do it. There's a reason. Just do it. Sometimes we find it difficult to understand all the things that we experience the stuff that we have to go through, the problems we have to endure. Sometimes it's very difficult to understand and wrap our minds around why it is that we've got to do experience these things and go through these things. However, in this passage of scripture, we learn life lessons that I believe transcend our challenges and experiences in life. In fact, we find things that are perpetually applicable to that which we go through and that which we see. In other words, there's a reason. There's a reason. Look back with me at verse number five. Verse five, again, our text, it says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Today have I begotten thee. Jesus, being the Messiah, did not seek to have himself named as a high priest. That wasn't what he was pursuing. He didn't seek his own glory. In fact, in John chapter 8 and verse 50, at the beginning of that verse, he's clearly said, and I seek not mine own glory. He did not come to glorify himself, but to glorify his father because he trusted his father to glorify him. So he was simply doing the work that his father had called him to do. However, it was his calling. It was his calling. It was his purpose and his assignment. It was his calling, his purpose, and his assignment to be the high priest. 
So therefore, he walked in it for that reason. In fact, the end of this verse actually corroborates what Psalm chapter 2, or verse, Psalm 2 and verse 7 says. There it says, I will declare the, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Thou art my son. This day have I, for, have I begotten thee. Here, this revelation is referring to his eternal generation as God, his wonderful conception as man, and his perfect, perfect qualification as mediator. Here, he's made the mediator between God and man, a holy God and a sinful man. He was made the mediator that he may bring us into balance, that we may have the right to have communication with our heavenly father. This is what he is to us as the mediator. So Jesus was simply fulfilling what he knew that his father wanted him to do. Therefore, he was glorifying him. He knew what the father wanted. So he was glorifying the father in everything that he did. I have a question for you today. My question is this. Do you know what the father has called you to do? Do you know what the father has called you to do? What is your purpose then? If you know what he's called you to do, what is your purpose do you want to glorify yourself or do you want to glorify the father? <laughs> you see, what, what is it? Do you know what he's called you to do? What's your purpose? Then who are you trying to glorify? It, it's, it's easy to, to, to fall into the traps of our society and our culture today because so much in our culture is just trying to, trying to get us into a place of self-promotion. Well, we're simply trying to promote self. You, you, you see everything on Instagram and TikTok and all these other places, and it's trying to get you to promote yourself, try to promote who you are, the things that you do. Listen, it's easy to want accolades or want people rather to give you accolades. That's easy. It's easy to want to do that. But when you want God to get the glory, your approach is different. Your approach is different because your objective is different. Do you understand that? You see, even though you still have these platforms that are there, you know, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, whether it's Facebook, YouTube. In fact, some of you, everyone actually who's watching this service right now, you're actually watching it on one of those platforms. But guess what? It's not just that you're that we're there. It's what we're trying to do. Who are you trying to glorify? Are you trying to glorify self or are you trying to lift up Christ? Are you trying to lift up the name of Jesus? What are you trying to do? Listen, we've got to stop and look back and think about why is it that we're doing what we're doing and I'm telling you when you can find out the reason why you're doing it when you can actually get to a place of knowing that you're doing it for him you're going to have a different strength you're going to have a different energy there's something else that lifts you when you're able to go through when you're facing the headache of dealing with things that you got to deal with but yet when you know it's not just about you lift, lifting yourself up you're trying to lift up Christ you're trying to lift up the Lord so your response is a little different you don't respond in the way that your flesh wants you to respond. You don't respond in the way that your mind simply tells you to respond. You stop for a moment and you pause and you say, Lord, how can you be glorified in this? 
What can I do to lift up your name in this? How can I draw others to you in this situation, in this moment, in this time? What can I do? What is it that you desire of me, Father? This is where we've got to understand our mindset needs to be so we can understand how we are to do that. You see, the true reason for achieving what God has given us to do has to be for lifting up his name and bringing him glory. That's the true reason. That's the true reason for doing it. How do we do this, you ask? How do we do it? By representing him and leading others into his presence. That's how you do it. By representing him and leading others into his presence. Why do you think you're still on that job? <laughs> Why do you think you're still there? Because God needs you to be his representative in that place. He needs you to be the one who's able to bring peace when there's contention. He needs you to be the one who knows how to stay silent when everybody else is flapping their gums. And when they look at your silence, they're not even hearing your words. They look at your silence and everything changes in the room because you simply are walking in the wisdom of God. He wants you to be his representative there. That's what brings glory to him. That's why you've got to ask yourself, what is it? What is it? What is it? The true reason is that he wants you to lift up his name and bring him glory by representing him and leading others into his presence. I need somebody to type in chat right now. I will glorify him. I will glorify him. Listen, this is a commitment that you're making. I don't need you to type it half-heartedly. I don't need you to declare it half-heartedly. I need you to say it knowing that some, some of your actions are going to have to change. So, so some of your perspectives are going to have to be adjusted because when you are looking to glorify the master, when you are looking to glorify our eternal God, you can't just approach things every way that your flesh feels like it. You've got to sometimes bring your flesh under subjection to your spirit and allow your spirit to take the lead. You know, when you say, oh, Jesus, take the wheel. That's what you're saying. <laughs> you're saying, listen, Lord, I need you to step in because my flesh is going to lead me in a place that I don't want to go. Listen, Paul said, the things that I would do, I do not. And the things that I don't do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who can save me from this bondage of sin? Oh, but I thank God for who? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, it's the Lord who helps to deliver you and bring you through. And this is why you let your flesh be under subjective subjection and you respond to the father because that gives him glory. That gives him glory. Look with me at verse number six. Look at verse number six. As he saith also in another place, thou art a priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek, after the order of Melchizedek, coming from Psalm 110, verse 4, here we have to understand the priesthood of Jesus is not after the lineage of men. The priesthood of Jesus is not after the lineage of men. You see, God the Father appointed him a priest of a higher order than that of Aaron. Now understand that the priesthood of Aaron was ordained by God. He was called of God. But we must understand that the priesthood of Aaron was to be but temporary. It was to be but temporary. The priesthood of Christ was to be perpetual or eternal. 
The priesthood of Aaron was to be successive, descending from the fathers to the children and from the children to their children and from the children to their children. That's how the, the priesthood was established in Aaron's time. But the priesthood of Christ was after the order of Melchizedek and was to be personal and the high priest immortal as to his office without any descent, without any descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. You see, it was after the order of Melchizedek. We understand Melchizedek, who was actually the king of Salem, also the high priest. He was the one that, that Abraham came and or went to, rather. And when he went to him, he paid him a tenth of all of his spoil, therefore establishing the tithe even before the law was established. That's a whole other conversation. But yeah, he established, he sold tithe up to Melchizedek. Melchizedek, why? Because Melchizedek was a man who was righteous, who was holy. In fact, all many theologians see him as a type and shadow of Christ. Many of them even say that he was a prequel to Christ. I think that's a little far, but I know that he was one whom God set as an example for us, an example of, of one who was the priesthood. And that's why it was said that Jesus, he, Christ, went in the order of Melchizedek because no one knows exactly where he came from. And they don't know exactly where he went. There's no, no listing of his father and mother. And there's no listing of children. There's no listing of any of those things. But Melchizedek was the one who established that priesthood to which Christ was after. Christ was after Melchizedek. Was after Melchizedek. And we, as we understand that, he was chosen by the father to be our high priest forever. He was chosen by the Father to be our high priest forever, forever. Look with me at verse 7. Oh, it gets interesting now. Oh, verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, death and was heard in that he feared he was heard in that he feared listen i want you to understand something that jesus prayed through his tears jesus prayed through his tears we understand of course that when lazarus died the bible says jesus wept looking at the brokenness in his sisters we understand that he cried there. There were other occasions where he wept and he cried. But I want you to understand that it's impossible to ignore this fact. Jesus, while in his human body, was so moved, so moved sometimes through anger, sometimes through sadness. And yes, even fear that he found himself crying while praying to his father. He found himself crying while praying to his father. Now, I want you to realize that the pictures that are typically shown of Jesus praying are of an angelic looking person, confidently looking into the heavens with a bright light shining on him while he prayed. That's usually the picture that we see in front of us that artists paint. 
But I have to help you understand that this verse depicts a Messiah who was in torment, crying un out unto his heavenly father, desiring his deliverance. This is what our passage is depicting of us, depicting to us of our Savior. And it's important to understand that because when you see that and you understand that, what we learned last week here and, and actually Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 4, 15 begins to take on a whole nother picture because remember there it reads for he have not and for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin see that means that every pain that you felt that Jesus too has felt every frustration that you've gone through Jesus in his flesh while he was in his flesh understands them he understood them and that's why it's important to realize this because when we realize this we can understand that just as you sit at your bedside on your knees praying to your father through tears your servant your messiah your savior did the same thing thank you for listening to today's message we pray that it was a blessing to you if you're in the Metro Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for our regularly scheduled services at Tabernacle of Worship. You will also be able to get this entire message. Please feel free to visit our website at www.taboworship.org. That's www.taboworship.org for more information.